Hey folks, Michael here from Pro Football Ireland. Hope you're doing well. This is the start, this weekend is the start of the new season for American Football Ireland in the Premier Division, Division 1 and Division 2. Um, after a long off-season, the local teams are getting back into action and as the NFL finishes, the local teams take their centre stage and rightfully so. I was honoured to be down at the Causeway Giants last weekend and actually you know, really enjoyed the experience. I'm looking forward to getting to some games this season as well. We'd like to take the opportunity just to wish everybody the best this season, regardless of your team. Wish you the very, very best as you um, get ready for what is you know a, a big season. And we're delighted to help the Domestic Game podcast be hosted on our podcast network. And as a bonus, we're putting these two podcasts for a season preview on our network also. If you search the Domestic Game, you'll be able to listen to reaction and analysis from the local perspective. Um, please give it a go it's a great podcast if you haven't listened to it and we will chat to you soon enjoy the views and opinions expressed as part of this podcast in no way represent those held by american football ireland as always guys this podcast is just for the crack so please no giving it Welcome to this episode of the Domestic Game Podcast. We are going to review 2022 and project into 2023, otherwise known as the Winners and Losers episode. So today we are your hosts, Bill Kinahan, Kelly Dwyer. And with us today, as a special guest, we have a head coach of the University of Limerick Vikings, Mr. Liam Ryan. Hi guys. Hi Joe. Hi Kelly. How are you? Um, offense coordinator, not head coach, unfortunately. Ah, offense coordinator. <laughs> you give the vibe of a head coach. You, you know a lot. Of it. Know, the reason we brought you on today was you know you know so much about the league. You you, you should be. I, I see. I see. Was coach. <laughs> yeah, you nearly got promoted there, but um, yeah, Liam, interesting one because you've been in the sport. Just to give a little bit of background to yourself, just because you're joining us as a co-host for the first time, but you've been in the sport for about twenty years now, and you were a player with the with the UL Vikings, and then I think you took a wee bit of break, kind of more spectator um type of role for a few years, and then back on the scene now as a coach. So I find it interesting because I feel like the vets of American Football Ireland will know you as Liam Ryan, the player. And then kind of the rookies of American Football Ireland will know you as the coach. And then also like hugely familiar with you because you commentated the Shamrock Bowl this year. And I think that mm. you and Connor Whelan and whoever else from the Vikings that was there just did a fantastic job. So do you want to take a few minutes just to introduce yourself and introduce the specifics then of your history in American Football Ireland? Yeah, so that's a fairly good summary. But uh, joining the Vikings are kind of one of the initial members who joined back in 2002. So showing my age when I, when I came into college, played for a number of years and then, yeah, won three Shamrock Bowls with the team back in uh, 2007, 2009. Won a European Championship then uh, in 2010. And unfortunately, haven't won anything since. We've got close quite a few times. But yeah, so I've, I've been really passionate kind of and involved in the sports, involved in the coaching team in Team Ireland for a couple of years. I was actually a board member for a couple of years as well. So yeah, had a really enjoyable time. My career kind of I took over for a couple of years so I took a step back but I got a job in UL so I'm actually staff member now in, in Limerick the University of Limerick and uh, got back involved in coaching and, and, and really really enjoying uh, my time back in the sport during the pandemic then I got into to, into streaming on Twitch just playing games I didn't really have anything better to do and basically transferred those skills into uh, live streaming games so live stream some of the 
Vikings games last year live streamed the our playoff game against Kildare our playoff game against our bowl game against the Minotaurs and obviously then Shamrock Bowl in from Belfast was kind of the one of the better better uh, kind of broadcasts and also I went up to the flag football playoffs as well in Belfast so yeah it's been and it's, it's definitely something that we need more of uh, and I'd love to to run a session on how to stream games if, if people would be interested but it's definitely uh, kind of the live coverage has uh, we've had really positive feedback and people are tuning in from all over the world and really interested to see how the sport is growing in Ireland yeah it's a deadly job and I can tell you that they absolutely did did tune in from all over the world because I was one of them that did and <laughs> I was chatting to our guys in Germany and our guys over in Edinburgh and all around the world while we were watching it so it's super important I think and um, I think AFI will definitely take you up on the opportunity for you to maybe hold some sort of a little teaching session to do the streaming yep. because definitely agree with you it's something that we need to do but anyway we need to get down to this episode so if we do a little run through I think we're gonna quickly run through all of the divisions but I think one of the first things that we can talk about here is what the divisions actually look like into 2023 because there has been a little bit of a change so to briefly go through that division two is now going to hold Trinity Eagles Giants and the Pirates Um, division one is going to have the Rhinos the Vikings Crusaders Vipers Jets Mavericks and the Razorbacks and then our premier division is going to be UCD Rebels Cork Admiral the South Dublin Panthers, Trojans, Cowboys, Knights and Minotaurs and those were in seeding order as well so that that is that so where where do you want to start Joe? Um, I suppose Division 2 would be a good place to start and work our way up then to, to Premier Division Yep Sound okay. good? Sounds good to me Are we going to start bottom seeding up or top seeding down? Uh, let's go bottom up bottom up okie dokie so that starts us off with the north dublin pirates so if we're assigning winners losers joe where where are they for you i mean look 2022 was not the year i mean was it four forfeits and you're only playing half your season it's not a w i'll put it that way it's not a win i think the main thing for the pirates this year even if the results in the field don't go your way like the you have to complete your season this year yeah, I think going back to back on multiple games forfeited in a year is not a good look for your club moving forward. And whatever way possible, I don't know how hard you need to push forward in recruiting, but you have to get your season completed this year. Um, again, results in the field may not matter as much. Just get the season completed because that's how you're going to improve and, and work up from there. More reps, more reps, more reps. It's always more reps. Yep. Yep, I agree. And I think a credit to the guys that that were there um, last season, you know what I mean? And even the ones that had done flag through COVID, they were having fun. They were having a good time. That's the thing. It's like your season needs to be fun. Win, lose, draw. I mean, it's not a, it's an amateur sport, so it has to be good crack. So I hope that this new format will work for the Pirates into 2023 and that we will see, see them back to the Pirates that we enjoyed in, in 2019 and before. So quickly moving on then to the Causeway Giants. This one for me was a difficult one to say whether they were a winner or a loser because they kind of finished somewhere in the middle there. They had, I think, their best week, uh, week 14, which was almost like this shock win over the Mavericks, which had been, who'd been like undefeated to that point, which I don't think anyone had predicted. I definitely didn't. So for me, I'm kind of, I'm not sure what I'm doing with the Giants if I'm putting them as a winner or a loser. I kind of nearly want to put them as a winner just for that really strong finish to the season. And then as always, shout out to the, to the really, really good players like uh, Ross McKenzie 
and another one, Frank Descauza, I think was very strong for them last year. If they're retaining players like that going into next year, I, th- I think we could see some good things. Yeah, I mean, you look at their numbers across the board last year and they only had one bad game of defence. Uh, as you said, uh, D'Souza there racked in a couple sacks there and they had some really good pieces on that defence. I think if you can, if they've worked on developing their scheme on offence this year and getting a couple of plays together, maybe bringing in a couple of extra players at wide receiver, um, it seemed like they had a pretty decent O-line last year as well. So I think if they can just, if they can get a couple pe- more pieces involved in sort of skill positions and, and develop an offence that can consistently put, even if it's 14, 16, 17 points a game, they'll push themselves into a pretty good position this year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, quickly moving on then to the Wexford Eagles. Liam, I think the Vikings were the, the last team to, to play the Eagles before they folded their season. So what are, what are your thoughts on them going into 2023? Yeah, we had a, a ding-dong battle with them in Limerick. I think it ended up 12-6, which was a really close game given the context that we finished in the bowl game at the end of the year, you know, it shows the strength of the Eagles. I think they had a really strong offensive and defensive line, really good running game. I don't know, obviously, what they're going to bring back from that from last year in terms of player numbers. I know was their challenge. They had a, a very small roster when it came down to Limerick, but if they can add more pieces and, and more bodies into the mix, they're going to be like, they're really well, well drilled. They've got good scheme and linemen are kind of the hard guys to get. You can get receivers and you can get uh, skill position guys in Ireland handy enough. So I would say for them, it's similar to kind of what happened with us, the Vikings. It's probably better for them to drop down a division for the sustainability of the club, that it's more competitive games. They'll be able to retain players through and stuff like that. So I definitely think the Eagles, if they can get the bodies together, they'll be a team to watch in Division 2 for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I'm hopeful that they will have the bodies together because a lot of their issues kind of came from some of the moves, I feel anyway, that they made in the ahead of the the 2022 season but they're after getting coach Kevin Clapp back um he's after bringing over Brendan McAleese from the Panthers so that's two good coaching leaders there and maybe some players as well because I know that um coach K when he moved he brought players with him from the Eagles so maybe they will have gone back with him as well you just don't know so yeah I, I would also agree I think the Eagles are kind of setting themselves up to have a, a good season making some good moves kind of early early in this preseason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean those um those coaching hires were were key. I think obviously everything kind of fell apart last year after COVID, but seeing Coach Clapp back in Wexford and and seeing the fact that uh, Coach McAleese joined them there, it seems that they have a, a pretty steady base as far as you know what you're going to get with them as to how kind of stable things are going to be on the field and how well they can gel a team together with those two coaches there. So I think that's going to be key in this kind of rebuild for Wexford, and I think they'll put together a pretty good season. Yeah, I think so too. They were definitely an up-and-coming team in uh, uh, in 2019 before COVID, for sure. They just missed out on a playoff spot. And I think they missed out on it to the next team we're going to discuss, which is Trinity. For me, I'm going to jump in. There's a little part of me that it's sad to see Trinity kind of down in, in this division, considering that they had made some appearances in bowls and they really had some strong players and teams over the years but we could see I think it's smart they haven't finished a season the last three seasons they haven't finished so this I think is good for them to go down to this division two and hopefully kind of uh, rebuild the team and bring it back hopefully at some point to the kind of the glory days that that Trinity have known in the past. Liam I'll bring it over to you because you've recently played them as well. 
Yeah, so we played Trinity in obviously in the regular season twice. So was it twice or once? Actually, can't, can't remember. We definitely played them in Dublin, and it was again really close game. We had a, a tight game as far as I know. They had some excellent players. I mean, I know Brandon Atwell, obviously transferred to UCD at the end of the season but he was just all over the field on offense and defense and uh, obviously the Dwyer brothers and stuff like that we then played them again in the intervarsities in November so just a, just a couple of months ago and they had a kind of a core of new players they had a, a big enough squad they had guys that were passionate and interested They some guys that were rookies but you could tell they were really interested in the sport a lot of Irish players as well so I know they, they kind of get criticized a little bit about an over-reliance on American guys that maybe aren't around during the summer so they seem to have learned from that and obviously taken kind of to notes from UCD and, and ourselves and tried to kind of keep the, the core of Irish guys that can stay around during the summer for the later season games. They were also by far the snappiest dressers. They, they landed in the bus and had like full suits so they got off the bus, which <laughs> I was very impressed by. But yeah, they I mean, they played ourselves, they played UCD. I don't think they won either game, but they kind of had a good acquaintance of themselves. I think that they'll do absolutely fine this year, just given the numbers. Obviously, Coach Drake is a long-established coach in the league and has them well-organized and stuff like that. So they were passionate, they were enthusiastic, they had decent numbers and a bunch of young Irish guys that are, that are learning the sport so i think it's it's again another another w for me anyway i think they'll do absolutely fine this year yeah yeah i love yeah, it it's a bit of a shame when you go back like even this was it 2014 and 15 or somewhere around there like they made back-to-back shamrock ball appearances mm. and to see the way they've kind of fallen with again like you kind of said their coach with the kind of reliance on imports and then obviously they'd leave around june and it mean to lower squad numbers or forfeits and it's kind of what happened in 2022 as well, where just player numbers dwindled and that they can keep those players this year that you saw in November. Obviously, the fact they're having fun with it and showing up in suits, they're um, they're obviously having a bit of fun uh, enjoying themselves as being part of this kind that's of... That's it. Um, you could tell, you could tell that, they're that, actually I mean, yeah, a, kind of a fun squad. They're have, having a bit of crack with it, which is what... That's half the battle, really. People will show up if, if they're enjoying it, even if they're losing games. Yeah, that's and it. then I love, I love like the game day fits. It's like, look good, play good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some guys, it was a guy in a, a three-piece tweed suit and did the whole thing. Like It was, it was like Mahomes type uh, style. So yeah, I, just, I had to give them kudos for that. <laughs> <laughs> did he or did he not walk off the bus in slow motion with a cube? <laughs> he had some. He had Journey playing in the background as well. It was. It was very impressive. Ah, you know, <laughs> it's like right, Trinity. Then, then, then knowing yeah. Limerick, he had to walk. He had to walk like half a mile over to the dressing room. So uh, we probably probably should have worn <laughs> yeah. <over> that. <laughs> I'm like, did they go home with like gold chains around their necks? <laughs> <laughs> No, I I do think uh, like it was something that jumped out at me that the the kind of the, the camaraderie and the team spirit is something that it's quite important, particularly for the college teams to keep guys together. There's so many other distractions around other clubs and work experience and, and study abroad and J1s and stuff like that, that if people are interested and passionate about it, then then they'll stay involved. So I think that was a good sign anyway for me for opportunity yeah. for, the, for the future. Listen, absolutely as well, because that was what that core kind of group of players that was doing back in the day. They were all just best friends. They enjoyed playing the sport together. And that's what led them to. And you're, you're absolutely right, Joe. They had back to back Shamrock Bowl appearances. And one of those as well was an absolute mud bowl. I mean, if I'm not misremembering it, there was one touchdown. And I think that was a defensive touchdown that day. It took away the offensive game either side of the ball. I think that was against the Trojans. If I'm not misremembering one of those bowls. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. like that, it just goes to show that a different day, different weather. This is the type of thing that I say and the likes of Andy Denny, he just goes, but it wasn't though. But it wasn't though. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you have to be able to play in that. But it does, they were fantastic. And it seems like they might have just kind of stumbled onto that recipe again coming into the next season. So, I mean, I hope that they do. The other thing Hopefully. is through the grapevine, I've heard that some of their good players from last year have transferred to some Premier Division teams. So this seems, like you said, just a, a completely new batch of players, new young players. If they're having fun with it, it'll, it'll work out for them, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, does that bring us to the end of Division 2? Joe, anything else to say on that? Not specifically in Trinity. I think it's just important for these clubs, again, like I kind of said. I kind of said it about the Pirates, but I suppose it's kind of an overall thing. Just make sure that, again, if you have numbers to complete your season in Division 2, that's great. And then the results on top of that are kind of just, again, they're they're just gravy. I think if you can develop in Division 2, consistency on and off the field and just make sure okay we've got our season finished we've got everything in on time we've got kind of the money side of things settled and then like that'll help you build towards getting into division one and then into premier division after that like there's promise on each of these teams for these teams to to get promoted and do bigger things in bigger divisions but i think just for this year like if you can complete your season that should be seen as a success in some regard yeah that's pretty Maybe not be. the be-all and end-all, but definitely it should be a big enough part for each team season. Yep, attainable goals. It's like try score touchdown yeah. every game. You know what I mean? Okay, so Division 1, and this is an exciting division now, if you don't mind me saying. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one. We'll start at the, the seventh seeding, which is the Razorbacks, and I love the Razorbacks. I just think that they are such an exciting um, up-and-coming team. They've built momentum over the last season. They're hugely benefiting from the new head coach, Suntan Miller. Their graphics are on point. Everybody likes good graphics, <laughs> especially in By this far, sport. They, they- they won the they won the design uh, uh, battle anyway yesterday. They, their graphics were amazing, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People <laughs> yeah, take note of these things. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Lindsay. Exactly. I like some of the other things that they're doing though as well. It's like the collaboration there between the Knights and the Razorbacks. I think is is quite good. I love seeing that they're that they're occasionally training together. I think that can only benefit everyone. And I think the Razorbacks are really a fantastic example of a team that's raising the standards of the division that they're in. They really built a lot of momentum, as I said, in 2022. And I mean, they won games that they weren't expected to win. And I think it's been one of the most successful rebrands of a team. I think maybe as successful as like the Dragons to the Panthers or even IAFA to AFI. It's right up there. They've also, this is a hot take and this is my hot take, they have gained quite a few players from the Jets, quite a few significant players in the in the offseason. So I mean that's also going to add a, a big skill set. A huge one I have to mention is is Ryan Beckett who has been a very strong player for the Jets for a while and previously was with the Trojans if I'm not wrong. So I think we can expect some very, very exciting things from them coming in into this season. I think they're they strike me as as a team that's incredibly well organized off the field. So hosting a, a double header bowl game and being involved in kind of putting that all together in, in their home venue, like that's no small feat. I know obviously Lindsay and, and the team there do a huge amount of work off the field to kind of get that stuff in place. But to have the the kind of organization and the, the, the off the field resources to be able to kind of put some of that stuff together, that attracts players, it attracts coaches, it attracts kind of resources, it attracts things in that you're only as strong as your, your back end team. You know, I think if, if a club is struggling to kind of 
get their administration together, that'll reflect on the field and it'll reflect on the coaching side. So I think the Razorbacks definitely, I know obviously there was there was talk about what way the divisions would be structured and whether they were part of the discussion about being in Division 2 or Division 1, but I definitely think that they're, from a kind of a, an organisational perspective, they're definitely Division 1 team. I don't know enough about them. I haven't done the scouting on them yet for on-the-field stuff, but uh, I know obviously Suntan, I've played, played him and coached against him a number of times and he'll have them well-drilled and they'll be a tough physical team anyway for sure. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty good on, on the field as well last year. Like in games they played, they went two and three. Um, they lose both games against the Mavericks, but they were uh, tight games. I think one score games, was like yeah. one, one game was like a five point game. They lost the one score game against the Jets and they beat them in the other one. Like they're, they've been a competitive team in, or they were a competitive team last year and they've seemingly on paper anyway gotten better. Uh, for their roster. I do think the one thing is that they've got a bit of a target on their back now. A certain memes page, who will not be named, has helped portray a narrative that the Razorbacks were... They didn't replace any relegated team. They were promoted on the fact that they've been building well. And I think that's a positive. I think they should have been. But I think there'd be some who... And there could be some in this division or some outside it, but who may think that they just got given a promotion. And I think the Razorbacks will show that they earned it. And I think they'll put good results forward this year. But I do think that they do need to be careful about that target now because there will be teams gunning for them and maybe to try and to try and give feed that narrative further. So I will say that the Razorbacks, I think they are a good team going forward. And I am very excited, not only just to see this team in action, but to see those away uniforms. <laughs> oh, like, I'm a big kit guy. And <laughs> when they showed when they showed those baby boys... I yeah, got, yeah. I got, like, not safe for work excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, so I, I will be, I, I will I be attending I a Razorbacks game for sure. But I do think it's a valid, like, if a team can show on uh, from an audit perspective that they have the resources, they have the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, they have the players, they have all that sort of stuff, I think better for them to be up in a competitive division, playing competitive games, than run in Division 2 if they were to, and it being a demotivator both for their players and for the teams in Division 2 as well. So I, I think, obviously, they're deemed as competitive in, within that division, so they're justified to be there from my perspective anyway, but I get what you're yeah. saying in terms of uh, promotion, relegation side of things, but uh, I think if, if they're able to play in it they should be up there yeah, yeah oh I agree. I, I'd agree I just saying that like that again on name names page the narrative is out there <laughs> and there's evidence of some people's holding it holding this opinion so they at least I think they'll prove people wrong and yeah. I think that they will have a great season I can see them I mean off the top of my head having a look who they're playing I mean I think four and four is very reasonable for a team that just got promoted five and three maybe like I think they could be a playoff team yeah, interesting. It's one of those things that as a competitor, you find the narrative you need to find to grind out the win, to get yourself into that headspace where you're going for that win. Like, absolutely. If I'm lining up against the Razorbacks, am I telling myself they don't deserve to be here and blah, 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 blah. Absolutely, I'm doing that. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. On, like, when I'm out on the bench, like, whatever. But, like, realistically, yeah, like, they've done enough to show that they should be there. They're a competitive team. And you know what? I reckon that they'll welcome that challenge as well. It's like, if they know that's what other teams are thinking about them, they're more than happy to take that challenge on and, and try and, and make their point and I've no doubt but that they will but I think that is a very a very good point and a nice little insight into how it works on game day as well you know yeah righty next seeding is the Loud Mavericks how are we feeling about the Loud Mavericks they were almost there weren't they yeah they were they had, they had a great season and the last hurdle the very very last hurdle they just it blew up obviously when... Robbie had been on and Robbie had said about the numbers of training 
before the game and how they hadn't exactly retained at a very high level and I think that eventually showed when the final came around. I do think that they have done a fair bit of recruiting around Loud anyway. And you'd hope, especially coming up a division now, that they do have a minimum amount of players where you can say, okay, we are confident with that we have, say, what is it, 25 players for Division 1. We have 25 players and we're going to have each of these players at a competitive level. They're not just being thrown out there. So I I think, on the whole, I I think I'm pretty, I'm fairly happy with, the Mavericks uh, being up. But just as far as last season goes, like that last hurdle, like that's a killer. Well, you, when you Especially say that, well you say that, but I mean, they did lose to the Giants at the end of the regular season as well. So the Giants were the one that kind of, that kind of made the initial crack, if you know what I mean. But I yeah. do, I do get what you're saying. They, they did lose momentum towards the end of the season, which is a shame. I think that they have welcomed this off season. I think they've used it very well. I've no doubt at all. I know that Alex Sims in particular, who's taken over the, yeah. the pre- presidency there in the Live Mavericks is just a, an incredibly positive, proactive person. And I, I, I think he will have really put the the off season to good use. They've great pieces there. In the one like on the on the pitch, I mean, they they fantastic pieces. I mean, Brendan Sims is always an easy name to throw out there because it doesn't matter where you put him on the pitch, he's he's going to have a game. He's just that type of athletic person. Yeah, and you can build around a guy like that. That's the thing. And then of course they have so many other pieces as well, and they've some big boys on the line as well, which is important. But the other thing is, is that they were in a very difficult position in 2022, I felt, because they had elected to go down. When you do that, it's almost like you don't actually want to win the division that you go down in, even though you do. That's what you say you want to do. But if you do, then you're kind of making the point that you should never have been down in the first place. So it's a strange place to be because you always want to win no matter where you are. But then you don't want to win if you've elected to go down. Like you want to actually prove that that was the best decision for your club in the long run, which I think that they have done. You know what I mean? They have. And in saying that, I'm also very happy with them to be in this Division 1 at the moment. I think they've done enough to prove that they should be where they are. So both years, I think they've actually gotten their own placing very, very well, very well considered, let's say. So yeah, that's kind of what I had down for the Mavericks. And I've no doubt but that they will be competitive in, in this in this Division 1 as well coming into this this season. I caught the the kind of the end of their bowl game. So we were we were obviously warming up for our bowl game against the Minotaurs after theirs and saw the kind of the tail end of the game. Their running game did really jump out at me. So Brendan Sims and, and that O-line definitely something is going to cause trouble in, in, in our division. They, both teams actually struck me as if they were playing against the Vikings or the Minotaurs on the day, I don't think they would have looked out of place. So there wasn't a big disparity in squad sizes. There wasn't a big disparity in player size and, and scheme and coaching and all that sort of stuff. So I do think that they're both, I was looking at the game and I was like, that's high level football. There was, they were unlucky on the day, I think. And there was a couple of big plays that the Jets pulled off to, to, to put a score up. But I think the Mavericks, Mavericks and the Jets both kind of acquitted themselves as well and looked apart there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting one because we're kind of moving on to the Jets, I suppose, which is the next the next seeding. So if I take that point and move on to the, the Antrim Jets, maybe it's two things kind of happen at one time where the, the Mavericks were kind of losing a small bit of momentum and then the likes of the Jets were really gaining momentum. Like they really, really were. They were very, they came away from a game against the Mavericks in like the, let's say the end of their regular season, which was almost kind of like a playoff. And then they're coming out of that game, really feeling like they could have won that game, knowing that they're meeting the, the Mavericks in the bowl and kind of going into that bowl 
even though they hadn't beaten the Mavericks all year, going, oh yeah, we can win this. They didn't doubt that they could win that bowl and they and they did. Uh, they, they shut out the Mavericks in the bowl. They really had just peaked at the right time for them. So I think like the Jets stand out to me as winner. And I think any team that's won a bowl in the previous season has to be a winner. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the only thing that I'm concerned about is that they have had some player losses in the off season, as we kind of alluded to before when we discussed the Razorbacks. They have had a, a few important players that have kind of migrated. We see this in AFI every few years where we have like almost like a mass migration of players from one place to the next. And that is as as old as Irish American football in Ireland actually is. It's like a tra- it's almost like a tradition that we do AFI <laughs> <laughs> so free agency period yeah that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what he big means big money so. signings <laughs> yeah, exactly so I mean it's, this is nothing new this this has happened to teams before they still have Donald McCluskey there as their in their coach they still have Scott McLean as kind of their offensive leader who is a very good um, quarterback as far as I know I think their running backs are all still there so it's just kind of one of those where I don't know what to expect from the Jets or where to, where I think they'll finish into the next season but I think it will be a team that has its old leadership but definitely new faces on the pitch if, if that makes sense yeah, and yeah, I think that's I mean, that's uh, part of the joy of of uh, any season like this is you can make predictions on the previous year, but teams can lose a group of players or pick up a, a core of players, and it does it does change quite quickly. The Jets did seem to me like they, they probably had the most balanced offense in the division in terms of kind of the did two or three running backs with three plus touchdowns. They had Scott McLean, I think, had seven or eight touchdowns. That they're probably the most kind of well rounded terms of scheme. I know the the Mavericks and a couple of other teams had very strong running games obviously but definitely the the uh the Jets offense is something that will put up points in in this division and and I think they do need to recruit a, a couple more players to refill lost slots but yeah it's a bit of an unknown coming in so some of those teams I think we won't really know where they stand until a couple of weeks into the season but definitely I think they'll cause some upsets for sure yeah I mean you go you go back to Scott McLean like I think there was a run of six games last year where he was involved in every touchdown that they scored whether it was a pass or a run like it was him scoring so when you have that type of quarterback play, they'll usually kind of follow up in a division when they get promoted. And I can see him doing very well this year as well. Um, it's just, again, like, like you said, Coach, it's just making sure that they're filling those places that they lost um, in the annual AFI free agency period. And it's just making sure that you can kind of have a steady base moving forward. Like, I don't think anybody's projecting the Jets to win the division. Like, you're probably saying, like, unless you're really low on the Jets and you think they're going to get relegated, I'd say you're probably you're probably projecting them to stay in the division, maybe make a playoff spot, but around that kind of four five area, four five six. Yeah. So now it's just about making sure, okay, we have a steady base moving forward and we can we can say in maybe two, three years, okay, now we're really fighting to get promoted because I think if you're kind of moving forward relying only on the pieces you had last year, like you could be in a bit of trouble just purely based on depth. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you're the base that the club has built so far. I'd imagine that they've already kind of addressed that, and there, there's been a couple of new players added at that that they feel pretty confident in moving forward. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. you you placing them somewhere in the middle there has just given them the fuel that they <laughs> would be looking for at this time. At this well, exactly. Time. When have I when have I ever been wrong about my preseason <laughs> yeah. predictions? Pretty much every <laughs> single time. So, <laughs> so Jets go eight zero. <laughs> they, uh, they win the they win the division bowl forty nil and uh, we'll see them in the Premier Division next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this is it. Okay, so moving on to the Vipers. Um, what I have for the Vipers is that you know I really feel that in twenty twenty two they're they're kitted 
team didn't really get to like bear the fruits of the labor that they had put in over the COVID years. I think they they lost their starting QB early in the season and that's... I mean, that's pretty close to the worst way to start your season. So it's actually a real shame for them that I, I don't think they they really got to do what they wanted to do. The other thing is the distance distances that they had to travel, like really kind of messed them up. And it's tough when you're a, an amateur team and you have to go the length of the, length of the country. And especially um, with them, like they're, uh, I mean, I don't want to say like an older team, but they're uh, a team of guys that have families, kids, all this like, so it's a harder travel for them. So they don't travel particularly well. They did all right. I think, I mean, they traveled to Limerick and they tied against Helium. And I mean, I think yep. that that is, that was a good result for them, given the distance that they had to do. I will say that although I feel like their kitted season was slightly underwhelming, I do think that they had a fantastic year as a club. You know what I mean? What they've done in youth football, what Mm -hmm. they've done in, I mean, they, for me, were the surprise of flag football this year. They did better. They, I mean, they were promoted and look what they did. The year you get promoted is supposed to be your your hardest year so I mean they they have done some fantastic stuff their away games this year will be the Mavericks the Razorbacks Crusaders and Jets so they don't have any long trips to Munster thankfully for them unfortunately Liam I mean you're going to meet them um, all the way we're up. already planning like hotels to stay up in Derry the night before and stuff like that so I know they, they can't probably do that every game for their away games but yeah it's it's a long haul up there so uh, we're looking at options possibly going up the night before but yeah it's it's it, it must be tough for every away game like that to be uh, I think it was Wexford like a seven hour drive for them or something like that. It's tough. Yeah, a killer, killer for them. What are, what are you expecting from the Vipers coming into this season? What are, where are you thinking they're going to be or what do you think they're going to do? Yeah, and, and we, we obviously played them in Limerick. I think it was a 10-all draw. Their defense, I mean, as you said, they're, they're kind of big, strong, old guys. They're, they were super strong against our run game and, and, and really shut us down on that. Their offense is kind of like a power run to keep the ball moving and then hit us off play action a couple of times. So they, I think I expect more of the same. You need to show up and basically play physical defense against their offense and expect to to take a pounding on, on your own offense as well. So they're a, a really strong, well-drilled team. I do think that they're, they kind of remind me of the Minotaurs from a couple of years back where they need to add like a, a Peter Dempsey and a, and a Jack Lynch to, to kind of burst the game open on, on offense or defense. If they can get one or two of those kind of pieces at, at corner or receiver, they're going to be a really dangerous team. Like they have a super, super offensive line, super defensive line, and just probably need that that little burst of athleticism to, to put them over the edge. But they're definitely a tough team to, to, to face against. I, I know our guys the day after that game were in the ice bats and, and trying to get uh, <laughs> trying to get re- rehabbed uh, as best they could. It was a, it was a really really physical game. So, but that's I mean that's that's what football's all about. And and, and they they came down and they they had a smile on their face going back up to to Derry again. But uh, yeah, we're facing that trip with a bit of trepidation, not just for the distance, but also that knowing that there's a, a tough football team at the end of it as well. So I think that they'll do well. I think I, I do think they'll get to the playoffs. Just the kind of as you mentioned the the strength of their club behind the scenes they have good youth players coming through and I think they'll they'll unearth some some gems from that yeah and their flag team I saw obviously saw them playing in um in Belfast and they were really impressive they have good players across across the club so I think they'll come good this year for sure yeah you you kind of said it there as well about kind of an unearthing talent from that youth system is going to be key for them I think moving forward like you kind of said Kelly they're not an old club but an older an older demographic yeah yeah compared to the rest of the division They've obviously lost uh, one or two key pieces as well. Like Darren Quinn has obviously moved to the Trojans. He's a big piece on defense there that that I'm sure they'll miss. But you've got guys on offense there in that run game. You've got like Mike Nolte and um, 
uh, Pete Farrell as well. Like if you can get those guys back and you can get them running at the, running at the same rate that they were last year, they'll still cause some problems. So I, I don't think I'm too concerned about the Vipers um, moving forward. But yeah, I think Kelly you kind of nailed it there. The, this kitten season for them last year wasn't maybe everything that they kind of expected and hoped for based on their record. But you look at the year as a whole in youth and, and flag football as well. They're definitely a, a winner's a nomination for that anyway. Definitely. And it's always interesting when you have a club that is, or a team that is that physical, that starts to get in young and new players into it because they come into that physicality straight away. You know what I mean? And it uh, matures the players very quickly. Like, again, like you said, like I have no, I have no concerns for the Vipers coming into this season. The next one, then the Crusaders. And I have to say for me, like Crusaders are, they just far surpassed what I was expecting from them last year I mean they made it right to the playoffs this is their that was their promotion year as well you know what I mean they were like the old Crusaders but just elevated so much a lot more mature in their game something that like uh, I don't want to say I didn't expect it but it also was a surprise to me how and then the size of their squad I think was was quite impressive I really I just have to say that I I thought that they were brilliant last year. They really were. I mean, they only narrowly missed out on a spot in the final. I think, what was that game? It was 21-18 against the Vikings. And um, mm. yeah, I genuinely, I think that they did fantastic things last year. And I am very, very mm. excited to see what they're going to do in this year because they are such an ambitious club. I, I, if I could have streamed any game last year, I would have streamed our game. And the first game of the Vikings yeah, against the yeah. Crusaders, it was 47-39. It was, yeah. <laughs> the, it was one of the most entertaining games to watch. I was freaking out on the, on the sideline as a coach. But uh, as a neutral spectator, I'd say you would have had a ball because it was just up and down the field. It was unbelievable offense on both sides. They're a team that's generated like amazing talent. So obviously, Matty O'Mara was was uh, quarterback for, for Team Ireland against Spain and did amazingly well. Is is playing in uh, in GFL. Tommy Ayo got signed to the Munich Ravens in EFL uh, and had played with them last year. For those two guys to come out of that club and and now are professional professional footballers overseas is a huge achievement. Jordan Farrell is my eyes one of the best QBs in Ireland in terms of kind of his his throwing motion, his release, his his reads. He's he's an amazing amazing QB and, and give us give us uh, headaches in both games. They have yeah they have talent on both sides of the ball. Luke Carey at running back had a field day against us in the playoff game. Scored a couple of touchdowns and and gave us many palpitations. And then a Craig Dooley on on defensive line put big pressure on us on 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 our offense as well and made a couple of sacks and stuff like that. So they're a team that they were a little bit Jekyll and Hyde in terms of they, they kind of got they got beaten when they didn't show up with their with their full team. But mm. when they had everybody and they're fully stocked, they're exciting to watch. Their offense is explosive. I think again, they're one to one to consider for a potential playoff spot this year. I think that they'll if they can get the defense right and and stop the big scores against them, they'll uh, and Farrell stays under center. I think that they'll have a, a good opportunity to score a lot of points this year. Yeah. Yeah. And even as you say that, it's like the other thing, the, the fact that they've had such gems come through their club is one thing that you say, amazing. But the other thing is, mm. is to have played last season without those gems and to still have done what they did. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever they're doing from a recruitment perspective or a coaching perspective, they're doing it right, obviously, because they're getting exceptional athletes and, and guys who are really good at football. Yeah, being able to perform without those two players, as I said, uh, most, most clubs wouldn't be able to do that, but they've been able to kind of keep people involved and invested and stuff. And they just see, they seem a very nice group as well. Like, uh, as in any time we've played, 
played them. There's been a, the, obviously another team that has kind of that good team spirit and, and keeps guys in, invested in and, and involved in stuff. So yeah, no, I, I, I do think Crusaders surprised me last year in terms of you know, they, they were the team that came up, but they gave us gave us so many headaches both on offense and defense. Yeah, yeah. I think the main kind of topic of discussion when we were coming into last season about the Crusaders, Kelly, was uh, losing Ken Farrell as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was maybe that maybe lowered our expectations as to whether oh you know you know how much are they really gonna do and they ended up outperforming every expectation I think anybody had set for them like again they had two great games against yourselves coach and they beat the Vipers and they played pretty close games in playoffs like a third team moving forward where and again like you look at say Robert Brown and and Sidney Pindy and Keelan obviously um Jordan's brother that you look at guys like. When Tommy couldn't wasn't available for the Crusaders, you thought, oh, well, who's Jordan to get the ball to? But they've developed talent there where Jordan can spread the ball around now and you've got your, they're trying to cover the whole field now as opposed to maybe just half of it. Yeah. And it's, it's made them, obviously Tommy, if, if you have Tommy on your team, use him as much, as much as possible. I'm not saying that, but they've a bit more kind of, they're more dynamic now because they have the whole field to work with. And obviously, it said Luke Carey, who's kind of grown into a bit of a, a cult hero here at domestic game. We, we've had a few chats with him, but he's a really talented running back who can who can make you miss, and he's not afraid to run through tackles either. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're they're an excited team moving forward. I think they're a dark horse, dare I say, for this year. Maybe maybe sneaking up on the top two seeds here. I think definitely look out for them uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think they're like a perpetual dark horse, aren't they? Do you know they they always have that kind of um, element to them where. They could do anything on any given day. Like they really, really could. And the only like about them as well, the likes of like Luke Carey and even Keelan Farrell, is that they're they're young players as well. Like they're young. And that Keelan Farrell, I mean, like he is just a firecracker. I swear. I remember um I was at a, a camp with him, Wolfhound's camp. With the, this was flag now, obviously. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be at a kiddish <laughs> camp. And I remember he he went out on defense and it was, I don't know what happened. I think he hadn't heard like the play call or he hadn't heard something like that. And so he's kind of standing there. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? The next thing the ball is snapped and uh, it just switches. He just clicks. You know what I mean? He know he just so natural to him. He ends up like making a, a pass deflection and two seconds before these are, what am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, he just has this kind of very, yeah, very like natural ability. And he's just, I mean, he's fast, he's explosive. So yeah, that's, that's a very good, very good shout out, Joe. Uh, I agree with you. I think that he's, um he's really kind of come into that, that team very, very well. So next exciting one, this one, the Vikings. <laughs> Liam, do you want to rate your old team or, or will we, um, Will we uh, so we were definitely losers losers last year. You know, <laughs> be, uh, Joe beat us in the bowl there. Unfortunately, uh, not to bring up any uh, any grudges here or anything, but uh, I know. Oh, we, keep we, bringing we... it up. Keep bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we actually, Joe, we had a we had a, a fantastic year last year. We had the the vast majority of our team. It was their first ever season. We recruited some some excellent talent. So Rob Brown obviously <laughs> made the the Irish team for t- to the game versus Team Spain at, at the end and acquitted himself well and 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 did excellently. Aidan Maher, one of our one of our running backs had a phenomenal season. I think he was the yes. top top rusher for uh, Division 1 last year. Yeah. Just that we kind of, like Joe was saying, in terms of 
the teams that drop down a division, you need to finish the season. You need to 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 come out of the season with with the kind of a a better structure and um, the foundations built for for growth. I think last year was that for us. I think if we'd stayed up in in the Premier Division, we probably wouldn't exist as a club. We would have just got beaten around the place. Whereas I think we were competitive. It was the right decision for us as as a group of coaches to to drop down. Would have loved to have won, but obviously that wasn't wasn't our year. But I think with the building blocks there, we've a, we've a decent O line. We've got a good defense. We tried out a new QB for the Intervarsities. So Fino Donovan, who played wide receiver for us last year, played some QB for us in the Intervarsities and seems to have done well. So we've got a bit of a, a QB competition now with him and Kieran Gilhul. So we'll see nice. how that pans out over, over the next couple of weeks before the first game. But yeah, no, we're in a good place. We've got good kind of roster of, of players. Obviously, some new talent coming in through uh, through the university and stuff like that. So we're happy with where we are, but obviously it'll all pan out as, as the season progresses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I actually think he had a fantastic season last year. I was kind of um didn't know what you were gonna do and I think he did um he did kind of surpass the expectation of he, especially in a rebuild year to make it all the way to a final and to really I mean, Joe, you know, they really didn't put it up to you like that. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it's a good. It's a. I mean, it's just a fantastic way to finish a building year, and then I'm very excited, obviously, for what you're going to do. I mean, I say I'm very excited because I'll always probably see the Vikings as my kind of a football home. So yeah, and the other things then that I just think you're doing so well is the off field stuff as well. So it's like something you said earlier in the episode is that um the administration has to be strong or else it shows on the pitch. Well I mean if the pitch that they're playing that you're playing on in Limerick is anything to go by, there's absolutely no problem with the administration. The changes <laughs> that you have made have just been or the growth that has happened there in Limerick has just been huge in the last year. So yes, super, super excited for what's to come for you, not just next year, but year on year on year. Joe, obviously it was your team that met them into in the bowl. Like what how are you feeling about the Vikings in, in twenty twenty-three? Yeah, I mean, not to, not it's not just because you're on, but like <laughs> the, the Vikings are if if you don't have the Vikings as the favourites for division one, like I don't know what you're on. Like you look at their their pass rush, I think I got killed for like seven sacks in one game. Uh, I can't remember if that was our home or away game, but I think it was seven sacks. If the Three of the top five pass rushers in Division One last year were from the Vikings. You don't know real running attack. I think you had I think the top two players or maybe top three uh, in the division were all Vikings players. Like you have all these stats and you have all these trends that you like. And obviously, then you look at the talent in the field. You're like Jesus. I mean, if you're if you're going purely just for the favorite, who you think is going to win the division for the start of the season? If you don't have the Vikings, I have absolutely no idea what where that opinion has come from <laughs> so not to put the target on your back you just did yeah you just did we haven't done the breakdown yet so I'm gonna I'm obviously gonna big up the Rhinos they're coming locked and loaded for next year as yeah. well yeah <laughs> no I think uh, I'm putting it out there now I have the Vikings to win division Ooh, okie dokie. And then we have the Rhinos. I think that the Rhinos are one of those. It's like, I can see the benefits to them if, let's say, okay, to start at the start of what I was going to say there. But they have been, let's say, they've been demoted, but that really only came right at the end of the season um, last year. I think that went right to the to the very last game against the Knights. So they were in contention to be in the Premier Division this year. I could have seen benefits to them staying in Premier and also benefits to them going to to this Division 1. But I am actually very happy with them here in Division 1. I think they're 
they're going to be competitive in Division 1 because they were actually not a bad team last year. And I think that them being in Division 1 does make that division just that bit more competitive. I think they are going to have a really good year. I mean, for me, probably the excite like probably the the big upset in premier was that week seven win over the cowboys which i don't think anybody had anticipated given that the cowboys had kind of put them away at the start of the season so you do see that they were building something in the premier division last year so yeah i i I like this for them i think that they're going to have a very good competitive year with this placing into 2023 I've started obviously doing a bit of scouting on the Rhinos. We played them in week one, which is going to be spicy. Yeah. But they they strike me actually as a very similar team to us in the Vikings. So they have an excellent pass rush. Some of the top kind of um, sack stats from last year were Rhinos players. Their QB, Ethan Foster, runs the ball really, really well. So they have, they have an excellent running game. They scheme quite well to get, get him through gaps and stuff like that. So they strike me quite, quite as quite similar to us. Uh, good pass rush, good running game. And I think that they've they've always had really good, strong leadership in, in the club. They've they've been there, thereabouts in, in terms of being a premiership team over the last decade or more and stuff like that. So I know they won a bowl years and years ago to come up. So they've put up points on like that 28-16 obviously jumps out, but they, they scored against the UCD defense. They scored against the Trojans defense. They scored fairly consistently throughout the year obviously they're giving up big points against fairly fairly high powered offenses but if they can get the defense piece right and get the, get that running game going and, and add a bit of a passing element to it I think that they'll be good but yeah I think the week one March 5th in Limerick is going to be a fairly telling telling one it's circling on the calendar here beside me already so uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm thinking about it months out already which is which is a bit of a sad sign but yeah they, I think the Rhinos like it's good for them I actually see it as a positive for them in terms of similar to us in 2019, they were probably like, you could flip a coin whether they they, they could have survived in, in the premiership next year. But I actually think for the sustainability of the club, them getting more competitive games, games where they're not getting blown out, that they're, they're scoring, it's more enjoyable for their team. I think that they'll be able to kind of hold on to a core of players and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, do, I do think for, for the club as a long-term thing, they do need to get up back up to the Premiership quite quickly. So I think they'll be targeting this year as a promotional year. Um, but I would say that they're... They're a big threat for for us. Obviously, they're they're week one, so they're our first focus. But um, they're obviously going to be a team with experience against all sorts of schemes and and, and teams and stuff like that. So we're we're definitely we're seeing them as one of the big threats this year. Yeah, and I don't know if Steve Mooney is still on their their coaching staff, but I hope that he is. He's a long time Rhino, and like that, he he's just great. He did great stuff with them last year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see you can see them. We actually this. poached. Uh, we managed to poach one of their coaches as well. So Rui Almeida uh, was their defensive backs. He played with them and was coach, but he actually moved down to Kerry. So we basically we inherited inherited Rui. Uh, so he's been involved from our side on the defensive back side of things, but he's been a great addition. He speaks really highly of, of the kind of the coaching structures and stuff like that within within the rhinos and stuff so they've uh they, they've always had a good structure he's not been able to give us any playbooks unfortunately <laughs> he's he's given us a good insight in, ter- in terms of what they're about and stuff like that but yeah you can tell from his background that he's been he's been drilled well and he's been coached well to to, to teach players so that's a testament to the rhinos as well yeah yeah that's uh really from the the three and one podcast which is one of my favorite podcasts as well because it also covers afi stuff so anytime we see anyone from afi on it i'm right over to listen to it he's he's yeah. doing doing great doing work, work there yeah, yeah yeah. that's actually how we poached him he, he interviewed me and i was like come, come to limerick it's only only 45 minutes away <laughs> so uh picked him up through the podcast essentially <laughs> 
always be recruiting. So if anyone's listening, you want to play for the Vikings, come down to around Limerick. <laughs> yeah, we'll be like, oh, and the Vikings have got a new QB. <laughs> oh, get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, oh, no, I don't think I don't think uh, we're too popular with Joe after what we did to his ankle, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I know. In fairness, again, like I always loved the the like we had a great series actually. Those yeah. three games last year, I they were pretty. Good. They were um, fun. Yeah, they were. They were the Rhinos. I think again, you kind of covered it. They're definitely going to be more competitive this in this division. Obviously, the the Cowboys win last year was a bit of a hoax spot. I, I remember talking in in one chat. And I was saying, like, it's like when you think a wrestler is down and there's like referee one, two, and then like right at the last second, they get their shoulder up. Yeah. That felt very like, oh my God, they they kicked out. They're still alive. Obviously, they ended up getting relegated anyway. But that was a big moment for them, I think. Yes, I agree. And they'd be smart to go back over that game and for whatever footage they have of it and say, okay, well, what worked and why did it work? And can we translate that to this year? Because I think, again, coach kind of said it there about they do have a great pass rush and some of the leading sack leaders from last year in the Premier Division were from the Rhinos. So Mm -hmm. they do have, they they have a strength there that they can, that they just need to milk as much out of as possible and then build everything else around that. I, I don't think that they'll be scoring 24, 28 points a game, but there'll be a really tough team who will grind out really, really tough wins. Mm. And they'll be ones to watch definitely moving forward. Is Division One Bowl a little soon? I don't think I don't think so. I think they could I think they, they are definitely within a fighting distance preseason anyway of, of making that bowl game. Yeah. A contender. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ethan Foster's, again, you, you said it as well, Coach. Ethan Foster's really good running the ball. And I think mm-hmm. they were w- without him for a few games last year. So that might explain why why they didn't put nearly as many points as you'd hope on offense. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if he's available this whole year, then they're in a good place, I think. So. Yeah, I, I do think they need to scheme. They need to scheme to take some pressure off Ethan as well. So they need to get yeah. either complimentary running back or I don't know some receivers that they can get get to the ball to in the quick game and and take the focus off him. If it's just a QB running the ball, you can kind of you can build schemes to count, counteract that a little bit. Whereas if if there's multiple multiple threats, it makes Ethan more effective as well. So that's something that they probably are. I'm sure they're working on in the off season. But that's that's uh, that's kind of the 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 Rhinos. Rhino's um, strength and possibly a, a slight weakness that that uh, that they've had from last year, but I'm sure they're trying to address. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's funny, Joe, because to go back to your your wrestling thing, you know, you kind of said that the 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 Cowboys win was where they came back to life. I actually think it happened before that. I think it happened in the game against the South Dublin Panthers before that, where I think that finished seventeen nil, and the Panthers were looking very strong at that stage. They'd come off. I think it was two wins, if I'm not mistaken, before that. And I really do think that it was almost like the second quarter of that game where it just kind of clicked a little bit for them. But Mm. it was the next game that they got their win, if that makes sense. So it's one of those when you learn how to win, when you learn how to how to click like that, like that, that follows you like so. Yep. I have high hopes for the Rhinos coming into 2023. So yeah, we leave we leave that there. We leave in division division one there. Anyone anything else that they want to say on division one? No, just roll on March. 
Ted Wright. <laughs> Joe, Joe, you're just like good riddance to Division One. You're like I'm a Premier <laughs> player now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, because let, he misses it. He misses whole, us, really. the, whole pod, the whole point of this podcast is to equally share the. And then you're you're trying to paint me as this villain. Is like ah, I finally escaped. <laughs> <laughs> not like That is it for part one of our preview episode, the winners and losers episode. Uh, coming next is our flag ball episode. We'll release that during the week. And we also have a special announcement, which you may have seen on our socials, the AFI socials at the top of all socials, which is that we at the domestic game have partnered with um, the guys and gals at Talking Balls in a new collaboration for their show, Green Zone. So check that out at the Talking Balls socials. We're excited. Thank you are excited. And then finally, join us again next weekend for part two of our preview episode, The Winners and Losers, where we will move on to the permanent division. Okay, catch you then.